And I've decided, I don't know about you, I've decided, I'm, you know what, I'm going to make each day as good as I can. Like, no matter the storm, you know, praise you in the middle of the storm. Like, praise you in the middle of the tough days. Like, I'm going to say, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. I was actually talking to a young man this morning, pretty early. Um, it was a FaceTime call, which is interesting. I think my, I still had bed head and my hair's like all sticking up in the air. And, um, and it's daylight where he is, and it was super dark here. And, and he's saying, Larry, I don't know. I don't know how to trust God. I'm in so much pain. And I was just like, gosh, I, I, know I know your feelings are very real right now, like off the charts. Um, and I know it's dark where, where you are emotionally, but I promise you can trust him. Like, I promise there is a better day coming. And um, as I also told a couple last week, feelings follow actions. Sometimes when you don't feel like it, when your heart is like leading you to do stuff that you know that that's not what God has for you, Sometimes you just say, God, I trust you. I'm, I'm going to, like, abandon my feeling and say I trust you and take one step towards you. And so I just told this young man, I said, feelings follow actions. Just trust me. Keep reaching out. Keep, keep texting me. And let me know how you're doing. But let me encourage you. And so we prayed. We prayed. Like, and it's, 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 it's the better days that I'm claiming, even for myself, it's no, I'm, I'm not a miss on. There are some people who are walking through, and it's, it is super tough. Like, it is really tough. And if that's you, I know everyone in this room is not having, like, a 10 out of 10 fun summer or fun day. But let me say to those of you in the room that are having a tough season right now, like, God is with you. He loves you. And... For those of us that know Christ, that are following Christ, that are here this morning, brothers and sisters, like I'm saying, this is what this whole sermon series is about, is better days. I believe that we are the ones who are here for such a time as this because we love Christ, because we believe in his promises to say, I'm going to bring hope. Like, I'm going to bring hope. I'm going to be that encouragement to someone. So in review, last week, we say better days are here. It's something I'm claiming. God is here this morning with us, is he not? Like we're two or more gathered, like he's here with us. Like he, we talked about how his omnipresence, and it's still mind-blowing that before time, before we were even created, like he knew, and this is, this is what's wild, he knew he was going to have to send Christ for us, even at that time. Like he knew that we were going to step off the path and need a Savior. He knew we needed hope. And just as today, fast forward to today, nothing that we're going through today is surprising him. He knew that his people were going to proclaim his name even in this dark day. And so, better day. That's what we're talking about. In review, um, I like to say hope starts in the wilderness. And this became obvious to me as I was sitting by a, a waterfall or a stream on the backside of Old Woman Mountain. And I had to, I told you guys I had to work my way through about, you know, probably 100 feet of thick brush, you know, wondering if there was a bear on the other side of that brush. I don't know. You guys probably think I'm crazy for doing that. But I was, I was talking to the bear the whole time I was out there. Said, hey, bear. If you guys do that, hey, bear. You know, I've been trained and, uh, to make noise. But I finally made it to the waterfall and I sat down. And I, I started quoting my favorite scripture, Isaiah 26.3. You keep those in perfect peace whose minds stayed on you because they trust in you. And I said, God, I need to hear from you. I need, to make your, I need you to make yourself real to me right now because I've, I've let too much of these dark days like weigh on my soul. 
And I feel like he said, Larry, like, this is where I want you guys to be all the time, seeking me. Like, but, but often we wait till we're in the wilderness. Often we wait until it's dark to go, God, I need you. Like, God, um, rescue me or get me out of this situation. So I say hope starts in the wilderness. We're, talk, we're in 1 Peter 1. You guys go ahead and turn there. But let me read a scripture that jumped out to me during this time, and it's related to Moses and the Israelites as they were trying to get to the promised land. Deuteronomy 8.2 says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the, in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Why does God allow us to go through these unbelievable trials? It's not because he's wondering what our faith is. It's not because he's guessing it, are we faithful or not. He's trying to reveal our hearts to us. Like we walk around with so many blind spots. Even our own emotions can distract us oftentimes. The trials are so he can reveal our hearts to us. So he can say, Larry, who, who are you hoping in? Like who are you having faith in? When we're in trial, what we learn in 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9 says, start with praise. Our focus determines our ability to praise. So it's like, it was so obvious. It was like, Larry, are you going to focus on this trial that you're in? Are, you, are we going to focus on that thing that is, is hardest and, and the toughest in our life? Or are we going to set that aside and say, God, you know what? I'm not focusing on that today. Like I'm actually, I'm focusing on you. That's where our praise comes from. That's where our hope comes from. And then this, the trial is revealing your worth. The reason why we have trials, it's revealing our worth. And our worth is more than gold. He's trying to put in the human language, right? Like even here in Alaska, we get how valuable gold is. From what I told, there's actually gold still on the beaches on the uh, north side of Alaska, on the, on the beaches. And I'm like, let's go. Like, let's go check this out, you know? Well, that's fun for me. But he's He's saying your, our value is way, way more worth than any gold we could ever find. Imagine we found like a, a ship full of gold here on Kodiak, Alaska. Like the scripture is saying you're worth more than that. And the trial, so think about it this way, the pain in our life, in your life, is actually there to reveal that to you. It's that you have no idea how valuable you are to me. The trial increases our faith. So let me read 1 Peter 1, 3-9. Verse 3 says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. He's, he's pointing to eternity. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. He's pointing, to, he's pointing ahead. In, in all this, you will greatly rejoice. He's talking about then, though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These, he's talking about the trials again, have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him 
and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Peter right now, I, ta- I talked a little bit about Peter. Peter's like a bold man of God. Like, and he got it wrong a lot, and he got it right a lot. He just lived life, and, and he was just going to live the day from the moment. He praised God. Um, he goes against him, and then ultimately, he gets to encounter the resurrected Jesus Christ. And therefore, he is like on fire to profess the faith, to share the gospel, to um, encourage the churches. And, he, and in this scripture, he's actually in the passages of 1 Peter. He's talking to the scattered church, the scattered Christians who are being persecuted for their belief in Christianity. So think about just like we're in, just like we're seeing in our country, it's not an easy day to be a Christian. It's actually very tough to be a person of faith in this time as it is just as it is today. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. In the challenge last week, I, I asked, who's ready to be a hope dealer? Who's ready to be a hope dealer? Literally stand on the corner and, and be ready to deal hope to people. Because, like, literally, like, those of us, and I'm not, I'm not assuming everyone in this room is a Christ follower, but I, I'd say a large percentage, like, those of us who are following Christ, like, that's, that's our purpose. <laughs> like, we're the ones that are supposed to be, like, sharing hope. Like, if you ever wonder, like, what am I doing at this job? What am I doing in this marriage? Why did God give me these crazy kids? Or why did God give me these insane parents? Like, we've all found ourselves, like, doubting, like, the situations that we're in. Like, I I believe he's saying, hey, I, I want you to share the hope that you have. Like, I want you to share with people, just, just like God gave me the opportunity on the phone with that young man this morning to say, you have no idea how valuable you are. Your emotion does not determine your value. This week we'll continue in 1 Peter 1, 13 through 25. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn in your traditional leather-bound Bible. Um, you can turn to your digital Bible on Bible.com or Bible app, whatever you have handy. But we'll be in 1 Peter 1, 13 through 25. It says, I'll start in 13. Therefore, with minds that are ready, alert, and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. And this is the second coming that Peter's, Peter's trying to give the Gentiles, the people that believe in him, hope for the future. He says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Basically, and this isn't meant to be a list of rules, right? Basically, Peter's saying, hey, I just, I want you guys to be ready. Like, I'm trying to get you to prepare your hearts, your minds, your, soul, your thoughts, like your words, your actions. He's talking to us. He said, I want you guys to live ready, to be prepared to have self-control. So if this pandemic, this like sh- shutdown, this like, I don't, I don't know how many work from home for several months like I did. Like if there's anything that this, I've learned in this, during this pandemic, it's like, what do I have self-control over and what do I not have self-control over? Like food, who, who ate way too much during the, during the shutdown, right? 
like, and we learned, like, you, you can't buy sweets during the pandemic. Like, you just have to leave those at Safeway. You just have to, because, like, they don't even last 12 hours in the house, you know, and everybody's like, you know, I'm not, like, four pant waist sizes bigger now than I was before. I mean, not really, but I feel that way. Self-control just went out the window. Even, like, the thoughts in our minds, like, who has control over their thoughts? And I think now we do more, maybe more than we did a few months ago, some of us. But who had to get a hold of their thoughts, their thought life, and said, you know what, why do you keep going there? Why do you keep fast-forwarding to that? Or why do you keep letting that thing back in your mind and your heart, and whether it's a temptation or whether it's just something that's not of God? Self-control. Peter's trying to give us this thing and say, guys, just, like, if you want to know the key to having a better day, just be obedient to what God's called you to. Like, it's, it sounds like a mathematical, logical formula, but just be obedient to what God's asked you to do. And we'll talk about how do we do that. And it sounds like, oh, great, okay, great, Larry, I'm, I'm obedient. Like, what, what next? Like, what am I obedient in? Therefore, your minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Set your mind obedience to his grace. Be obedient as children. Do not conform to the evil desires. And so it's like, who, who has felt guilty for those like weird, dark, evil thoughts like that you hit your brain, that hit your mind, and you're like, where in the world did that come from? Whether it's like, you know, last week we talked about, God, I wish you'd take care of that person. You know, usually if somebody's frustrating you in your life, you're like, I'm done with that person. Would you please thump them off the earth for me? Like, where do those thoughts come from? It's, it's not of God. It's like of human flesh and our emotion. And then we have this cool thing called imagination. And God, like, lets us use our imagination for, like, e evil desires. And I'm not going to camp there. I just want to say it's real, though. It's real. Like, we can have these crazy imaginations that get away from us. And people in isolation, like, I, if you're in isolation or if you know someone in isolation, I promise they're not doing well. Because we weren't made to be isolated. Like, it's just we weren't. And I'm not judging or picking. I mean, pointing the finger at me. If we're in isolation apart from the people that we love, we're not doing well. So go check on them. That's an encouragement. If someone came to your mind, like, go check on them. All right, so let me keep going. Verse 17 says, Since you call on the Father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it is not with perishable things as silver or gold that you were redeemed from this empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen. This is, this is the cool part. This is my favorite part. Christ was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. He's saying, don't, don't just focus on now. Like, don't just focus on today. Like, I, I had a really great conversation this week, and, and the other person may not think that the conversation was so great because I challenged them a little bit. And I might, and I might be wrong, but I, I don't think I am. But, it, but I'll just say I might be wrong. 
Let me, let me throw it out to you guys. I said, I said, what is the church supposed to be? Like, are we, what, like, what is the church supposed to be? Like, what are we actually here for? And, and a, a friend of mine said, you know, I think we're here to build up the Christians, to edify the saints, which is biblical, to make sure that we're investing in those who want to come to him, to focus on our generations that are here within the building, like our kids and their kids, to make sure that we all know where the path is. And I said, what percentage of the church do you think should be our family? Like, that's what I call our family, right? People that believe in God. And it's like, well, 90%. And I said, what, what percentage of the church should be, you know, have never met Christ, that just stumble through the doors? It's maybe 10%. And it's, it's revealing because that's the church in North America now that we've existed for so many years. Because we think of church as what? As a building that we come to on Sunday morning. And when we gather in our homes, like we're thinking, I want people who are like me and who can encourage me down the road and down the path. And the answer to that is yes, absolutely all of that. That's the church. But I think it's yes and I think we actually should be 50% believers, 50% non-believers streaming through our doors in the morning. Like, I think when we gather in our homes for meals, that we should be wondering, who have I talked to this week that doesn't know Christ? I want them in here with us. Like, I want to share. And, and this is where it gets awkward. Unapolo unapologetically share my faith and just my story, right? Like, who I am in Christ and who he saved me from. And not worry about whether they think I'm weird or not. Like, so First Peter is actually about being foreigners in a strange world. And I, I believe that we, our church, our building is not just this building like us. We are supposed to be inundating this community with our love. Let me keep going. So I shared that with you, and it was a challenging conversation. Think about that this week. Pray about it. Like, God, speak to me as a, as a son and daughter. Like, who do we want in our church? Who, who do we, we want to make feel comfortable here? Who do we want to invite here? Is it just for us? Is it just for my family? Is it, is it just for my family and a couple of neighbors? Is it, you see what I'm saying? Like the, the concentric circles should be getting bigger, and it's going to challenge all of us. It's going to challenge all of us. Because it is, and I'll say it this, and this is challenging, it is too easy for me to just worry about Blake and Chloe getting to heaven. You see what I'm saying? It is way too easy and small of a, of a vision for me to just focus my energy on making sure my two kids get to heaven. Or shall I say three? I have one there already. And we'll see him one day. And I told my friend, I said, I said, you know, when our middle son went to heaven because of leukemia, I said, man, I, my, my vision for eternity changed immediately. It became real. And so I have this thing in me, and we'll get to it in a moment, but I have this thing in me where it's black and white, where I see everyone is, are they, are they going to heaven? And it's weird. I'm telling you, it's a little bit weird. But I'm like, I'm wondering, are, am I going to see them in heaven? Am I going to see? It's, it's almost like we're ghosts as we're on this earth because I'm wondering, am I going to see you on the other side? And I think that's okay. 
I think that's how God used my story, right? The things that happen in my life to make heaven and earth real at the same time. So let me keep going. In 19, actually let me start at 21. Through him you believe in God who raised him for the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. In 22 it says, now that you have purified yourself. So now it's talking about purification or the process by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for one another, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of the perishable seed, but of imperishable. He's talking about not of the flesh, but in Christ. Through the living and enduring word of God, for all people are like grass. This is so real for me, you guys. So I'm going to read it slowly. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field, The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever, and this is the word that was preached to you. And I I love it because he's talking about like what's temporary. He keeps he keeps reminding us of like what's temporary, like and what's gonna last, you know. And it's like he's talking about gold is even gonna gonna burn. Like all of this stuff will burn. And eventually we're going to be on the other side in a new heaven and a new earth. And he's trying to prepare that. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth. And so here's the challenge. How much of God's truth, it's not like we use the word, we use different words for the Bible. You know, the truth, God's word, it's his living word, which is absolutely true. It's his truth. It's the way, you know, it's. Like, how much of this do you really know? You know, and it's, I'm not trying to be a Bible thumper or like super spiritual or like, well, there's the pastor again telling us I need to memorize God's word. It's like, I'm not trying to, I'm not, I'm not apologizing for that. But what's cool is the same friend I was having that conversation with is like, Larry, we we need to know the word. Like, we need to go deep into the word and we need to know it. And that is absolutely true. We're going to be kicking off. Um, home groups. We're going to start talking about it next week. I'm trying not to jump the gun this week. We're missing a few people. And and there's going to be going deep in the word there, but hopefully these home groups are friendship, praying together, sharing what's going on in our lives together, spending time just having meals together, hanging out, just being ourselves, and then a focus on scripture. And hopefully out of those home groups, we'll have, this is my, my most favorite part, hopefully we'll have two or three or four guys getting together during the week and really digging in and hold each other accountable. And girls doing the same thing, our ladies doing the same thing. Like my favorite thing, one of our guys in the church said, dude, I got to have somebody to meet with and I need a couple brothers that can hold me accountable. And he said, can we please meet? And so he and I said, well, who do you want to meet with? Do you already have an idea? Who do you trust? Because it's all about who do you trust, right? Like, who, who am I going to share my deepest, darkest secrets with? Who can I be real with? And so we meet by the campfire at the fairgrounds every Wednesday night, even in the rain. So I tried to, I tried to get us to meet somewhere else, like in Henry's Restaurant or somewhere. They're like, no, dude. It's like we're going to meet by the campfire. And it's pouring down, so we wore our rain gear and hung out around the campfire on a Wednesday night. And we just did a check-in. And it's really easy. You say, hey, one word for how you're doing. Like, 
the only rule is you have to be honest. Like you can't lie or hide how you're doing. You just have to say it. This is how I'm doing. I'm happy, I'm mad, I'm angry, like I'm sad, I'm encouraged, whatever it might be. You don't even have to explain it. And then you have to say one thing that you're hopeful for, you're thankful for. And then we get real, then we talk. And it's dangerous for you to have an accountability group with your pastor because I'm often, those things come up into my mind as I'm teaching, and I'm like, nope, you can't say that, you can't say that, you can't say that. I'm pretty good about it most of the time. But that's it, we have to, we have to promise each other we are going to hold this in confidence, and we're going to encourage one another. That's my hope for what's going to happen. Like, how do you obey? How do, I, how do I have better days if better days means it comes from obedience? And how do, what am I obedient to if I don't know God's word? Am I obedient to my own happiness or moral compass or what, or what the news outlets are telling me is right or wrong today? Like, that's that's scary, guys, and I watch the news, and I watch all of that. Sometimes I have to turn it off, right, and go pray by a waterfall on the mountainside because it's too much, but I'm just saying, like, find a couple of good people who you can break bread with in your home. We'll be announcing people who are going to be opening up their homes starting um, this October. It's going to feel awkward at first for those of you. Who's, who's ever done home groups or who's ever done Sunday school in the morning? Like, who's not ever done that? Like, so, you know, a couple hands. It's, it just feels awkward at first. You're like, are these my people? You know, whose people are these? Like, are they weird like me? And it just feels awkward a little bit. But I'm telling you, like, even walking through losing a son, you know who was there for us? Our church was there for us. Our pastors were there for us and the leaders and the friends that loved us. But our home group times a thousand, man, like, I don't even remember those times because I think I blocked it out, but I remember they carried us. They carried us for months and loved us completely. I wouldn't be standing here today, I'm convinced, if it wasn't for them showing us real love. So let me keep going. We're talking about obedience, but as a reminder again, standing firm in praise is only possible when we focus on the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and when we live in obedience to his will for us. Like it's we have hope because of Jesus Christ, but we have hope also and better days when we live according to his will. And how in the world do I know if I'm in his will or not if I don't have his word? So you see how these things are connected and linked together? So somebody said, you know what, Larry, I see you journaling all the time. Like I, I journal, like every day I journal a scripture. I pray about it. I write because that's how I process. I've got like 20 years of journals. You know, maybe it's 15. I need to go look again so I can tell you guys the truth. But I see this every day. I see what God's doing. I see a scripture. I see hope. Sometimes I see super dark days and weeks and months where I'm like crying out for God to make himself real. But it's like the word is getting into my head. It's getting into my heart. And even when I'm tempted to do something that I know is not godly, and I'm about to choose a path that he didn't make for me, guess what convicts me? Guess what corrects me? His word. Like the thing that I journaled, I remember it, and it comes back, and I'm like, Larry, that's not what God wants for you. Like I counseled a, a 
a woman this week, and I'll keep their names anonymous, and she said, I just, I just need to leave my husband. That's the only thing I, I think can make me happy right now. And I said, I promise that's not what God wants for you. I can promise that's not what he wants for you. We can talk about all sorts of different circumstances and walk through that together to make sure that, that there is true wise counsel. But I, what I can say is I know God's trying to get your attention and his. And I know if, you ch- if you'll trust a wise counsel to walk with you through this, I can promise you there's better days ahead. You know why? Because I've been there. Like, that's my story. Myra and I were there like eight, eight years into our marriage. And we were, we were done with each other. And I'm a minister at a church. What I didn't know at the time is our grief was just destroying us. And I, but it was having wise counselors around us who had God's word, who had sanity at the moment when we did not, said, we love you guys, and we know you love God, and we know you love each other, but you're in a season right now where your emotions are telling you the exact opposite and everything else. It's cool to be able to share those times with people and say, it's, none of us are perfect. Like, none of us are. And we all have these seasons where our emotions try to override what we know is true. And praise God if you've spent time in his word, like you have a foundation that can anchor you down. If you say, Larry, I haven't spent more than two hours in God's word, that's okay. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just saying you might want to ring a friend and say, I need you in my life to walk with me for a while. Or maybe jump into one of these groups and say, I, I need to get in God's word with you and I trust you and, and just show me what this thing's all about, right? Like show me why we get into, get into scripture and get into the Bible. Let me keep going. I'm on all kinds of soapboxes this morning. Forgive me. It's been a good week. It's been a really good week. Standing firm in the praise is possible when we focus on the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and when we live in obedience to his will for us. So another quote says this, and this is St. John. He says, what does it profit you to give God one thing if he asks for another? Consider what that God wants and then do it. You hear the obedience in that? What does God want? And then just do it. You will, as a result, better satisfy your hearts than with that toward which you yourself are inclined. So sometimes we have these days and you're like, God, that's, that's not what I want. <laughs> and God's like, I know. But I actually know what's better for you. I mean, it's, if we want to have better days, the whole point I'm trying to break down now is if we want to have better days that Peter's trying to break down It's just hang in there and keep choosing God's path and his will, even when it gets hard, and like especially when it gets hard. Hang in there and ask God, like, what's your will? If it's not clear, like, we will join you and pray with that, pray for you in that. Like, don't keep it to yourself and keep wondering. Like, there's a reason why God says you need other people in your life. You need wise counsel. You need his word. So here's what's cool, and I'm a little weird but trials reveal God's will in ours. I actually, as painful as trials are, I'm that cleric personality where I'd rather know black and white, like what's right or wrong or what, God, what God's will is for me, and I'm okay with the pain as long as we can get to the truth. 
like I actually enjoy trials. I mean, I, I had a lot of men in our life come and say, hey, I've lost my job and I have no idea what's ahead. I have no idea how we're gonna afford our bills this month or the next six months. Or even, you know, students looking to go to college and not sure what they wanna do with their life. Like, I had to keep myself from, from just jumping out of my shoes with excitement about what's ahead. Because I know there's something really good coming and usually it's with greater clarity about what God has for you when, you walk, when you're walking through the middle of a trial or if you're right at the start of one. So let me finish in verse 13. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient as children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy, for I am holy. We have to choose better to live better. And sometimes we literally have to remind ourselves, like, I'm a son and daughter of God. Like, I'm holy because he's holy. Like, I have to choose this path. I want to choose this path because like that actually is a better life. It might be harder, but he gives us a choice. He'll literally give us a choice every time. We do have to choose better to live better. I mean, if you ever talk to somebody who's, who's walked away from a job because they were frustrated, like who's ever counseled a friend or a family member like they left something really good because they were tired of it, and yet they had nothing on the other side of that to step out onto? Like, you knew what was ahead for them for, for a season, right? It's going to be tough. You know, sometimes I like to tell people the best time to find a job is when you have a job. <laughs> like, it actually makes it a whole lot easier. If you're miserable in your employment and you feel like God's made you for something different, my advice is to give all of yourself sacrificially to where you are. And then, and then start praying and seeking, like, okay, God, like, are you trying to tell me I need to start seeking elsewhere? But don't jump off the ship until you, until you have a dock in front of you, right? Like, and it's, it goes against our emotions. Choose better to live better. Verse 17 says, Since you call on the Father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here, reverent fear. For you know it, it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that were redeemed from the empty way of life was handed down to you from your ancestors, but the precious blood of Christ. So I like to say, I like to say, choose to stay who you'll serve. Or the other scripture I like is, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. I think that it's, this is about like literally choosing to today I'm going to obey God's will. Like today, no matter how uncomfortable it is, no matter where my emotions are, like I'm going to submit myself and obey and put my faith and trust in him. I'm going to obey to love one another. Like Peter is trying to say, guys, like all this stuff that's happening, all this persecution in your world, all the dark days around you on social media, on the news, even the, what I've heard, and I'll keep sharing it with you guys, even the relationship testing that has been happening over the last seven months. Whose relationships have been tested a little bit? Just, just a little bit. Yeah, or a lot of it, you know? 
it's like, and, and Myra and I have been there several times. It's like, it's like, did I marry you on purpose? Or, you know, it's like, who is this crazy person? It's like, I honestly, I believe we're in a time of testing and of trial. And guys, I want to say, I love that you guys are making sure that your families are healthy and that we're spending time with our families. But I want to say there are neighbors and there are people walking on the street and there are people calling in here on a daily basis just saying, I need help. Like, I need hope. They, and, and what I can conclude right now is they don't have Christ right, right now. Or maybe they, ne- maybe they never did. Like, they don't have the hope that we have because those of us that get to come to church on a weekly basis or tune in, we get that, I mean, we get that, like, refresher and that pick-me-up, right? Like, who feels better on a Monday after they went to church on Sunday, right? And who's had those weeks where you hadn't been to church in a few weeks, and you're like, you turn into, like, that, that dude who needs a Snickers bar, you know, or that lady who needs a Snickers bar, and you're like, who is this person? That's because maybe you hadn't had God's Word in your life. Like, maybe you hadn't like had the volume turned up on what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. I say, guys, so today's like where, where the bottom line is for us. It's like to have better days, I have to walk with Christ. And I have to have the truths of his word in my life. And I say, for you, like this is where I want each of you. So if you guys could bow your heads and close your eyes, we'll say a prayer. Anderson and Meredith, you guys can come up. So let me ask you a few questions before we pray. If you'll say, God, that, or Larry, I've been living my life. I'm not in God's word. And my only direction is my emotion or what my friends tell me. Like, let me just say, are you ready? Are you ready to say, I need some real direction in my life. Like, I re- need real hope and real joy. Like, the only way that happens is if you say, Christ, you are the head of my life and I'm done with myself. For those of you that have been Christ followers for a long time, you might find yourself wore out too. And you might find yourself tempted to just go and do your own thing because being out on the boat or going hiking sounds way better than than being in God's Word. And there's time for those things. Like the myth is is that we can't have everything. But God's saying, "I I want your first priority. Jesus is saying, like, I want first place in your life. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for trials. It's so counterintuitive. I thank you for testing. Father, just as Peter is telling us today, your word is so clear. I thank you when you just say, just be obedient to what you know, what we know the truth is. Father, I pray that you, for every single person in this room, whether it's for the first time today or whether it's for the hundredth time, I pray you make yourself so real and make it so obvious that Christ has to be first place. And that just a little bit of time connecting with you, the one who made us and knows us and knows what our future is in your word, connecting with you in your word and in prayer is the only way we're going to navigate this life and to know your will. 
Father, I pray that you surround each man and woman in this room with two or three other good men and good women who are following you and who are in your word. And that those who are isolated, whether they're here today, watching us through an internet, or just one of our neighbors who are alone, that they'll reach out and say, I need your hope. Father, we love you. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for helping us forgive others. And we give our life to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.